Despite what you might hear some people say, all religions are not the same. It's really basically a fallacy in terms of logical thinking to contend that this is so. If there were no differences, then there would be only one religion in the whole world, which quite clearly there is not. Then by extension, if each religion is the same, then there would not be a collection of different Christian churches or meeting places in the city or town where you live. And in bigger cities there wouldn't be a mosque or a synagogue, a temple, and so on. Just the different buildings signify differences. The factual evidence points to differences between religions. When it comes to Christianity, we trace our beginnings and development through the various covenants that God made in the Old Testament. Note that well. It is what God did, and only then how humanity responded. True religion is not a man-made construct. Man does not begin a religion. God does. The first revelation of himself God made with the great act of creation, which culminated in Adam and Eve. God invited them to a life of intimacy with him and gave them the resplendent grace to be able to enter into this shared divine life. Even when they sinned, God did not abandon them, but gave them the hope of salvation. From that point, over the millennia then, God progressively drew humanity to himself and taught us more about himself and about ourselves. He did this through covenants with Noah, then with Abraham, then with Moses, then guarded and at times restored the covenant through the prophets, until the time was ripe, and right, and God the Son entered into the human race and this world. God said and did everything through his Son. There will be no other message than Christ. There will be no other covenant than the one Christ made by his death on the cross. This covenant, founded upon Christ, is meant for all people of all time. This is shown in the Gospel reading of today's sacred liturgy by the desire of some Greeks to meet Jesus. So some from the outside world, not from among the Jews, come to the Saviour of the whole world. And this points to what our Lord said about himself, namely, that when he is lifted up from the earth, he will draw all people to himself. Christ does not mean that there will be some sort of cosmic force that acts like a huge cosmic vacuum and sucks everyone to the cross. That's far too simplistic and also not respectful of human free will. No, to be drawn to the cross is a conscious decision needing to be made by each person. As our Lord said, if someone is to serve him, that person must follow him. 
that implies conscious decision, continual effort, and continuous forgetting of self, all of which means suffering in some sort or type. And here we come to the uniqueness of Christianity. The way to holiness and the pathway to heaven must include suffering, precisely because the one who saved us suffered for our sake. So we too must suffer. We enter into salvation through suffering. But not because of some gruesome attraction towards pain or for the sake of doing something that is hard and which disciplines us. We must suffer because, as St Paul says, like Christ, our Master and Lord, we need need to learn obedience through suffering. Or to use the term from the Gospel, we need to learn to serve Christ even through suffering. Christ himself learned to obey through suffering. This does not mean that Christ resisted all along the way and was dragged unwillingly to the cross. No, the divine nature was perfectly united with the human nature, and so there was always love and obedience towards God the Father. Real obedience, not slavishly following a tyrant, means to bend the ear towards another and to act out of love for the other. Christ knew in his divinity the death that awaited him, but in his humanity he had to come to know it through experiencing it. With no hint of resisting the Father's saving plan, Christ in his humanity had to experience what obedience was like in the midst of suffering. Why? So that we could imitate him and do the same. So that in the midst of our sufferings, both small and large, we could also be obedient and bend our ear to the whisper of the Father's voice, who both permits the suffering and accompanies us through it. Now this doesn't happen in one go, but rather it is the practice of a lifetime. This lesson is so hard to learn that we need many, many practice sessions. Or to put it theologically, we need many, many occasions when God gives grace to our souls so that we become step by step, suffering by suffering, more like Christ the obedient and suffering Son of God. Only by this will our hearts, meaning our soul, be capable of having the covenant written upon it, as the prophet Jeremiah said in the first reading. Apart from Christ, I want to propose someone else who can help us in all of this, St. Joseph. In this year dedicated to him, he is a marvellous and wondrous help and guardian. Although he is a quiet man, we don't hear his voice in the Gospels, he is also a strong man of conviction, of sacrifice and of love. 
St. Joseph's main purpose in life, his mission, was to get his wife Mary, the new Eve, and his divine son, the new Adam, to Calvary, so that the perfect and unique sacrificing of Jesus on the cross might be accomplished, and thus that humanity might be saved from sin and death. In God the Father's plan, St. Joseph was not to be present at Calvary, so he had to die to himself every day over decades to protect, to defend and to safeguard the two people he loved the most in this life so that they could get to Calvary and make their sacrifices for us. St. Joseph lived every day of his life knowing that he would not be there when his beloved wife's heart would be pierced through as she stood at the foot of the cross. Joseph could not protect her from that. What a grief and what a suffering for a loving husband. He would not be there to shield his son from being mocked, ridiculed, hated and killed. What a profound distress, what a profound anguish for a loving father. In this year of St. Joseph, turn to Joseph, who is the greatest among the saints after his beautiful wife, Our Lady Mary. In the litany of St. Joseph, he is called the comfort of the afflicted. So he will come to us when we seek his help, so that we may bear our sufferings. He will teach us courage, obedience and faithfulness because he wants us to be one with Christ, who is the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him.